I'm very, very happy to share my experiences. That's why um, I travel and speak, so that <clears throat> hopefully there will be people that will uh, relate to the experiences and um, have new hope. There are people that send me emails, Aaron, that after they've seen my YouTube video, that express that, that they are beginning to believe uh, more in life after death and uh, beginning to understand about how to sit at a bedside with a loved one and beginning to understand how to process their grief somewhat. So it's a huge, huge honor to be involved in anybody's life in that process. Mm. I think it's it's certainly become more widespread as well, isn't it? This kind of idea of yeah. deathbed visions and, and deathbed care and things like that with Peter Fennick and think people like that as well that have been doing it. Yes, yes, and it it kind of helps you begin to uh, reassess uh, what you're doing with your life. Whenever you spend that time with them, and you get to know their stories and how they came to be where they are, and then also being there and observing what's happening with the interactions of husband to wife or uh, parents to child or uh, grandparents, um, good friend, uh, even a pet. You know, mm. when you lose a pet, there's, there's really true grief that happens. Mm. And so this is a wonderful gift in a sense in that it helps us to understand more about appreciating life. Yeah, that's right. I mean, our, our little dog, Ty, one of them, he's... 14 now and he's approaching that kind of area he's just had his fifth or sixth belt of um uh, gastroenteritis which at his age isn't good so we're definitely approaching that sort of time with ty so that's going to be forthcoming all the grief that goes with that and people don't understand that the death of an animal is is just as if not more hurtful than yes death yes. of someone yes definitely we just lost our jack russell terrier that was 14 Hmm. And uh, he was by my side all day, every day, whenever I was home. We were very, very close, and it was hard, and I did cry. Um, certainly, certainly did have grieving going on. But this, that's another thing that these patients have taught me and their families is that it's a gift, even though it's hard, hard. It's a huge gift whenever we are able to come together and walk with or stand alongside with those that are getting ready to make that transition and and the family and loved ones that are that are there and then also the pets because the pets are very uh, connected to this soul as well and to honor their their grief they have real grief whenever mm -hmm. they lose whoever has been their caregiver for many years so all it, it's life they teach me is just uh, constantly learning it's not like you've got it all figured out and after one experience you learn from each experience that you have whether it's a love relationship a work relationship or uh, patient and doctor or patient and nurse uh, all of them everything everything that uh, we experience in a day where we're interacting with someone or some animal is teaching us 
on some level. Mm. And I think we could certainly learn a lot more from animals and children than people give them credit for. Yes. Because they're more they're more pure, less conditioned, I suppose, than we are. They yes. can see things more plainly. Right. They don't seem to have a, an agenda. No. They just That's show right. up with yeah. the pure um, desire to communicate or mm. relate or play. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what life should be about. I think fun, <laughs> not not quite so serious as people unfortunately seem to make it. So, are, are you still a palliative care nurse, or or were? No, 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 I'm retired now, and what I do is just go visit people. People will call me and say, "Becky, could you come see my mother?" Uh, would you be able to um, sit with us or just uh, observe what we've been taught? I was with a family last week, and uh, I've known them most of my life. And they asked me if I would uh, make a visit. And I said, sure, I would be so happy to do that. And we, had, we did have a good visit, and I was able to share some ideas with uh, the daughter. Uh, who had called me and they did a great job it was a huge honor for me to be there i always consider it an honor to be i call it holy ground when when someone's getting ready to cross over and i speak i i travel and speak uh, uh in sedona arizona i've spoken there two or three times and california i've spoken there three times now and uh sometimes locally and just you know people just call me or send me emails and said would you be willing to come and, and it's it's always a treat because during one of the most uh, one of the biggest blessings I receive when I do get to travel and speak is that the people will line up after I speak and tell me their stories so it, you know a whole new book <laughs> probably could be written just from those experiences. Of course, there's not time to sit down and write them down, but uh, but my, my gift is just being there and just being able to hear the story. It's not about me trying to remember it, but to relate mm. to them and hear them without, um, without any judgment. Sometimes people are so judgmental about a story that has to do with, angels or uh, love they get to see sometimes they'll see their loved ones that have already crossed over that are coming to uh, greet this one that's getting ready to cross over and I respect that I don't ever try to act like oh that couldn't be true but I listen to them because I believe they're telling me their truth mm. and it, it's certainly you know um, it's not just beneficial for us hearing their stories it's beneficial for the people that are dying as well to hear these other people's experiences yeah i'm sure so it yes. gives them a bit more peace and a bit more bit less anxiety to the yes. moment coming up those are those are some of the emails that i received Darren, from people that have mentioned that my father uh, was able to pass with less fear because of watching your youtube video that is huge hmm you know, for me to be able to share what these people have taught me and then for it to bless someone that's getting ready to, to cross over. And the loved ones that are around the bed. Yeah, of course, because I'm sure it helps with their grief as well, at least in the, the, the early stages when it's going to be most prominent. Yes. 
So despite having been retired now, you are still having these experiences with, with the dying. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the gift of being able to um, show up for people that, that call me. And then also people will send me emails or um, they will ask if they can um, talk to me over the phone. And it just depends, of course, what, um, what is going on with my life during that day. But most of the time, I'm always able to visit with someone, even if it's just for a few minutes. I think a lot of people need just validation of, am I doing this right? Am I take care of, taking care of my mother, um, doing all that I should be doing? Or, or they will ask me about, what do I do? How do I tell my child? How do I, do I let them be involved in their care? or should I uh, keep them from being around this too much? So there's just all kinds of questions, and I don't pretend to be an expert. I listen to the questions and then share with them my experiences. And I also encourage them to read books and uh, talk to chaplains, talk to a hospice, talk to whoever they feel most comfortable with, and especially someone that's close by. Mm. So what are some of these, some of the most prominent experiences that you've had that have kind of affected well, the way? Because I'm sure at this point you're not afraid of death anymore, oh, I'm guessing, that because that's usually the case. Yes. No, mm. I'm not afraid of dying. Now, it's not like I'm wanting to die right now, but no. that time comes. Uh, I, I, do not, I do not imagine that I will be fearful at all, and hopefully that would help my loved ones with me. But my favorite story, uh, I was working in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a hospital, brand new hospice, and I went to see a patient. Uh, he was just adorable. He didn't live too far from Tulsa, and uh, he was a minister, uh, and he lived in this precious little house that was next door to his church, and the house was rather old, many years old, and it had a big picture window, is what they call it, in the living room. And his hospital bed was up against this window where he could see his church over to one side and then a big oak tree that he loved on the other side. And he was not afraid. He said, Becky, tell me how this is going to happen. Tell me how I'm going to experience my dying process. And so we would visit. But his wife didn't ever want to hear, and she'd run off to the kitchen. So I, got, I did get the call one day, and they said, we think he's, he's about to die. And I said, try to remember everything I've taught you. Go get your neighbor so she can be with you, and I'll be there as soon as I can. And when I got there, the neighbor ran home, and his wife ran to the kitchen. But he was sitting in a recliner across from his bed, and he was about as blue as his blue recliner. He was um, changing colors fast. And he said, Becky, can you get me in my bed? And I said, yes, sir, I can. And I picked him up, and I got him in the bed, and I crawled in behind him and was holding him up so he could breathe better because he was, he was agonal. He was really, really searching for air. And I had my fingertips on his shoulders, and he tapped me, and he said, Becky, did you see them? And I said, no, sir, tell me what you're seeing. And he raised his head up, and he was looking towards the ceiling, and he said, sweetheart, the angels are here now, and they're all along the right 
side and they're all along the left side. And he said, Becky, I have to go. And he raised up his right arm and he said, my Lord and my God. And he fell back against me and took his last breath. And I just sat there for a couple of minutes. His wife finally came back in. She was calmer than she'd been, just seeing him at peace. But that, to me, was one of the most special experiences I've ever had. Because he just described how the ceiling opened up and there was heaven. Mm. And, and I, can see it's, I can see it still as emotionally touching to you now as it probably yeah. was then. Yes, it still does. It still does. And he's one of the first people I hope to meet whenever I get that, get there mm. to, to, to thank him for allowing me to be in that conversation with him that day. Huge mm. honor. So does that kind of vision happen commonly amongst people that are dying? It does. <clears throat> it does. There are many stories that have been written about people uh, that are sharing some some people have family members come and uh, some people will have uh, will even talk of seeing their pets and mm. some people oh, that's good yeah <laughs> yes yes there in fact a, a lot of near-death experiencers have spoken of seeing their pets in the tunnel you know sometimes they'll say i saw my dog or i saw my cat or whatever canary whatever and um and that blesses people like me and you who are so attached to, uh, to our to our pets is that uh, um, I'm old and so I've got a bunch of them up there. <laughs> <laughs> Been through many pets. Yeah, it's a shame they can't live as long as us, isn't it? It's the worst thing about having a pet. Yes, yes, mm. yes. And uh, the dog that we have right now is 14, the one that's left uh, since the other one passed. And all of my pets have been uh, rescues. I found her on a country road many years ago, and and uh, and brought her brought her home after I took her to the vet and had her checked out. And uh, my husband has asked me. He said, "Do you think you want to get another pet after Lady passes?" And I said, "You know, I'm not too sure that's a good idea because of our age. Someone would have to take care of them after we." We passed. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be that I'll live to be ninety something, but <laughs> I don't know. So I, we just, I just trust that if it's meant to be, it'll, it'll, it'll come. Be. Mm -hmm. The pet will find me, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll just go on day to day right now as it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be incredibly sad when my little tie goes because he was because I've got a, a fur allergy, so I can't. And I've always loved animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, all sorts of animals. And I was never able to have one because of my allergy. So we found lucky that Ty, being a schnauzer, doesn't have, he doesn't give off dander as much, which is what I'm allergic to, the skin oh, particles. Yes. So, it, you know, when we got him when I was 11, that was like a miracle. Wow. Because I'd never thought I could have a dog. And it turns out that there are plenty of breeds we could have. So that was, you know, and I've obviously loved him. I've never had brothers or sisters, and he's very, very, very close, if not just the same as having a brother or a sister yes and yes. he's he's like my mum's second child that she could never have so <laughs> when he goes you know we're going to be both broken yes but yeah it's nice to, to hear and i've heard from a few people that pets are, are there to see us as we go as well yes, so sir. 
there's so many people that say that. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I interviewed a, a medium recently, Marie, who also said that yeah, plenty of pets come through. It's not unusual, which is strange because I know the works of Dr. Peter Fenwick. It often states that there aren't many that come and see. I don't know whether he's just had different spoken mm-hmm. to different people, but yeah, I, I like to think that they will be, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be. Yes. Hmm. So the visions that people have is it commonly angels or do the people see because i know a lot of these things seem to be based on the person's religion or background a lot of people will see angels some will see just spirit beings some will see something else family yes family those are my experiences but see i live in northeast oklahoma and uh, which is a very um, religious uh, area and so that is the most common that I've noticed, uh, whether they're Baptist or they're Pentecostal or, or Catholic or, or whatever, that these people are the ones that, ex- that, that share with, with me and my experiences. Um, loved ones and then, uh, or angels or, uh, <clears throat> and some have seen, you know, speak of seeing Jesus and um and that's the most common pets and family members and jesus and angels mm-hmm. all of that so i i never try to act like it has something to do with the pain medicine because it happens too often with people that take have pain medicine and people that don't have pain medicine so mm-hmm. i respect each person's story and I feel quite honored, you know, to be able mm. to hear it. I mean, I've read many near-death experience accounts and research and things like that, and the stories are remarkably similar. And they occur, as you say, on medication, off medication. Sometimes not even in a in a death close right. to death state. You know, during people can do it at will, can't they? Without body experiences and things like that, and they experience very, very similar things. And unfortunately, people say it's anecdotal don't dismiss it you know which is i think is a shame my um, brother had a near-death experience a year before he passed um would you like to hear it mm-hmm. he was um <clears throat> receiving chemo and radiation for lung cancer that uh, the doctors told us when they found it that it was the worst kind and that they couldn't save him and these do- were some of the doctors that I had worked with years before, and they said, Becky, we cannot save your brother. We can buy him some time, but the radiation and chemo is going to be really rough. This is rough stuff for this type of cancer because your brother's cancer is all up in his, the top part of his lung and all around his aorta. It's all over the place. And my brother, who had been in, um, oh, maybe three or four total total wreck car accidents, uh, two or three motorcycle accidents, all kinds of, he just lived a, a wild life. He said, I'm not afraid of your chemo. He said, bring. <laughs> and so that's what we did. And uh, he called me one day and all I could hear was gasping. And I said, I'm on my way, I'm calling an ambulance. And so I called my dad, who was in the other end of the house, to get him to get into him. 
called an ambulance and then I drove there. And when I got there, the ambulance was there and they were uh, loading him on a gurney and he was blue, he was very blue. And <clears throat> they uh, took him to the hospital. And when I got there, uh, a few hours later, the lady that was taking care of him, doing most of his care, she was a nurse practitioner that I've known for years, and she said, Becky, your brother's in bad shape. He has lung cancer all over the place, and he has pneumonia. So uh, I don't know that there's a lot we can do for him. He needs to be in Tulsa. And so we got the uh, word that uh, there weren't any ambulances available, and I put him in my car, and I held his IV with my right hand, had the x-rays in the back seat, and I uh, was driving, no, x-rays are, let's see, driving, anyway, I was driving and holding x-rays and IVs mm -hmm. and all this stuff, got him there an hour later, got him admitted, and a couple of days later, he said, uh, when I got, got to take him home for the first time, he said, I about died in the at the house that night before you got there and I said well no kidding you were purple when I got there he said no you're not listening to me I about died I said what happened he said well I was choking and I was choking and I was choking and then all of a sudden I was out of my body and I could see in this I was in a white misty area and our mother who had passed away just a few years before was approaching on his right side and then on the other side was his best friend who had committed suicide just the year before. Both of them, he said, looked healthy, wonderful, smiling, coming towards him. And he said, but I knew what was getting ready to happen. And I said, please, 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 I need just a little bit more time. And our mother said to him, then breathe, son, breathe. And he woke up on that gurney. He said, what do you think about that? And I said, well, what do you think? He said, I think she bought me some time. And we had a year. So Another year. Hmm. Yes. It was a rough year. It was rough, all that radiation mm. and chemo. But he was tough, and he wanted to be here. And he got to make peace with his, his ex-wife and um, his kids and, um, and, and grandkids. And it was just, it was really, really good, a good thing. And he and my dad bonded. A lot closer to so it was rough but he got that extra I mean a, a, a year is a very good length of time for something like that as well yes I mean there's there's so many near-death experiences similar to that where yeah. they will float outside the body and find themselves in a uh, I think Jan Holden I think it's Jan Holden calls them trans um, I can't remember. One of them's a material NDE where they see things, and the other one's a trans uh, something transcendent where they go somewhere else into another dimension or whatever yeah. you want to say. Yeah. It sounded like he had something like that where he went off and saw his his mother and yes, and he's uh, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. Well, I think the huge gift to me and the surprise was that he told me. And mm. and that um, th that he would tell anyone that, so his blessing 
blessed me and so many others. And that's the last chapter in my book. I titled it My Brother's Keeper. So that um, hopefully the stories that I put in there will help others have hope. Mm. I'm sure they will, especially people that are maybe approaching that kind of either age or if they're ill and they're approaching that, that time. Yes, there are... I, I, I'm sure you can imagine, but there are so, so many emails that I get because of that YouTube video. I think it's got like 1.9 million hits on it now. And I'm, it's not because of me, Darren. It's because of the stories. And mm. it, the, the people that have new hope or the people that have wondered about you know what's going to happen and how's this going to be so so that that's like an extra added gift on top mm. of the others and i think it's a shame that this kind of area isn't looked at more seriously especially in the realms of the physical sciences and things like that because to me it's the most important thing to yep. look at because it's the only guaranteed thing for yep. all of us you know that's why i want to research it because i want to know where i'm going because right. it's going to happen Yes. Whether you like it or not. Yes. So it surprises me that people still just refuse to talk about, they'll talk about death if something happens, but they won't talk about their own death. They don't yeah. like to think about it as if it's mm -hmm. not going to happen, which it will. Yes. And you know, I've been close uh, with my depression. I was very suicidal at one point, so I've been very, very close. And getting to that level, you start to realize that you're not immortal, which you think you are most of the time. Yes. And it's, I think it's wonderful to um, to have that assurance and that peace uh, uh, with. That's where I am. You know, if I had a massive heart attack and died suddenly, or if I live to be a hundred, but whatever, I'm good with all of it. I I am not afraid, and I have people ask me that: Are you afraid to die? And I'm not. No. I don't look forward to any kind of suffering, but we have so much access now to great medications and um, relaxation therapies, all kinds of things to help people process pain or discomfort, or if they're, some people are beginning to have their own grief. They're grieving leaving. And so mm. I think these situations and experiences need to be talked about and shared. And that's that's what I enjoy about what I do. People line up and they tell me, I, you have helped me today. I'm not afraid to die anymore. That's worth everything. Mm. To know that you've helped someone... Giving hope. Yeah, to know that you've helped someone overcome the biggest fear, you know, in in the on the planet yes. is is a is a huge thing, and it's not as such the fear of of death itself; it's the fear of not knowing what it's all about, and being able to shed some light on that, mm -hmm. at least experientially. Is a... That's why people viewers are important. People that are doing interviews, people that are asking questions, and then sharing your interview with others like this um, there and that's why I, I appreciate the near-death experience sites uh, 
websites that uh, share all kinds of experiences for people to look at if they're interested to help them process grief or to help them process fear mm. so that they can have a better knowledge of there are questions on how's this really going to happen? How could this happen? What what happened for that? And and then be able to integrate it into their own religious values or belief system and make peace with it. And mm. so you can go on with your day, live live your life fully, trusting that whenever your day comes, that's that's. That'll be when it's supposed to be. Mm. And until right, then, yeah. that each person is valuable. Mm. Let me just, if, if you don't mind, let me just Look stop the, the call and... Let me just stop the call and reconnect. It looks like we're having some connection issues here. You're coming through very robot -y. Right. I'll just hang up and call you back. Oh, well, we'll keep, keep going, see what we can do. If I can get just the audio, then we'll, that'll be better than nothing. Okay. So at this point, because of the connection issues, there was a slight delay between me speaking and Becky hearing. Um, I've tried to edit that down as much as possible to make it less obvious, um, but I'm sorry it does continue throughout the rest of the interview, so hopefully the rest came out okay as I'm editing it now. Hopefully it should do, but thanks for sticking with me. Right. Um, yeah, so... Where were we? talking about near-death experiences wouldn't we and sharing yeah um i mean yeah there's sites like the ians and jeffrey long's near-death experience research foundation things like that that have thousands and thousands of accounts on them all pretty much saying it seems the same thing maybe slightly tainted by religious expectations or cultural expectations but ultimately saying the same thing so it's certainly interesting it's good that there's a lot more people taking it seriously now Yes. And with the likes of, as I put on the group earlier, Sam Parnia with his Aware 2 study, it's certainly people are becoming a lot more accepting of the fact that it happens, but obviously they're disagreeing on why and how. But mm -hmm. I think the more, as you say, the more we can get out there, the more people actually start looking at it as something that does really happen and should be looked at. Yes. I think it can help us to live a better life if we understand that. If we're focused on our death all the time, we're not really living. Mm. And so if we can just focus on being a part of the community that we're in, being a part of our family, being a part of um, nature, and just just enjoying as much as we can where we are and not try to fall into the trap of worrying about whether or not um, all the ice is going to melt somewhere or mm. whether or not the sun's going to be blocked or, you know, all the weird stuff that comes out there and just focus on, you know, this is a good day right here, right now. Or if it's a challenging day, knowing that it won't always be that way. Not the challenges won't be overbearing forever, hmm. and that one of the best gifts that we can give each other 
is in being present to one another, to really and truly look at your surroundings when you're like in a grocery store or you're in a department store or you're in a car lot looking for a new car, just to be aware of people and be kind. I think being kind is one of the most amazing things that we can give humanity and animals. Yeah, and it certainly to seems to be lacking. And, and not be so... Yes, yes. To be uh, a person that's probable and, and to not look on people that are having a hard time with judgment. Mm. I, I think it's good for us to for some of the stories, the parables, that remind us that you, you may not always know uh, who you're looking down upon. What if angel? Just checking to see what you would do. Would mm. you give somebody that was thirsty drink of water? Or if you found someone at the roadside that had been severely beaten, would you try to help them? Or be afraid of them? Mm. The, same, the same thing, some of the teachings and stories in the Bible or other places where we're being asked to love one another, no matter what your political persuasion is, what color your skin is, where you church or don't go to church, um, whether you like a cheese on your pizza or not, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Any of those things where people sometimes look at others differently. We're yeah, all there's a lot of very a much lot of people do they do segregate each other for stupid reasons. I mean, especially mm -hmm. over on, on your side of the water, especially with the likes of the political issues going on with Donald Trump, it's either one side or the other, and if you're not on my side, you're you're an idiot. And it's it's a shame that it should be like that. And it does cause there's been violence yeah. that has occurred over it. And it's such a shame. Because why does it matter? Yes, really, exactly. Um, whether you like him or not like him, he won't be there forever. Mm. And it's not worth losing a friendship or a family member over. So, um, yeah, I, I don't jump in on those conversations touch. No, no, politics and all that kind of thing, I stay away from. I really just, uh, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> We've got the likes of the Brexit thing going on over here I, I don't care either way but people are so harshly critical of the uh, both sides there's, there's no middle ground you can't be kind of one way or the other you have to be on my side or I'm gonna verbal verbally abuse you for it and it's, it's as I say such a shame yeah. um, so these visions that people have that you've witnessed do you believe that they are are genuinely seeing what they're seeing, or do you believe that they're, it's, it's some form of they're hallucinating as they're getting no oxygen or the drugs that they're on? I believe them, unless they have a reason not to. If someone, there's a difference between a drug-induced vision and um, the visions that are um, experienced by people that are getting ready to cross over. And sometimes what you will notice well, I had one family share with me. Let me share this with you. Their mother was getting ready to cross over and were lined up on both sides of the bed. This woman hadn't spoken for a couple of days, 
hadn't opened her eyes hardly at all, and sat straight up and pointed to the end of the bed and called out her child that had died at eight years old, called out that child's name and was reaching for her. And um, there are there are some people that think of that as a uh, hallucination or a drug-induced uh, vision or something like that. And then other people that say, why, why do you want to judge it? Why not just receive it as this is her, you know, getting ready to cross over? And she did. Immediately she laid back down and she was gone. Mm. So in my mind, whenever I heard of it, I was thinking, oh, what a gift. What a gift that the child came to her and helped her to see, you won't be alone when you cross over. I'm here for you. Mm. So I just keep uh, trying to share the stories. Might give people new hope. Might give them fresh hope. And help them to understand that, yes, it's sad when we lose our ones, but they're crossing over to a beautiful place. They're going mm. home. Mm. And I guess as, as a result of what you've seen, you think that they are indeed, as we say, crossing over somewhere else instead of just they see these nice things and then bang, gone. You think that they are, in fact, crossing over into another f form of consciousness, I suppose, or heaven or whatever you want to call it? Yes, yes, I do. I, there's, I have not an ounce of doubt in me at all. There's just too much evidence so much evidence, so many stories that are so simple. And, uh, and, that, and I think that's why there's so much interest in near-death experiences, because of the people that are sharing very similar stories to those that are crossing over. Mm. And there are so many, so, there are so many scientific explanations, none of which account for the whole thing, which is interesting. <laughs> but... Right. Yes. You will yes. always have you will always have people that say it's not true, unfortunately, and they are the people that haven't had the experiences themselves. That's exactly it. I uh, it doesn't disturb me that people don't believe it because I know just like what you're saying, they will experience it either with a loved one or a friend or themselves when their time comes, and they'll know. They'll know for sure then, and so. I just love people as they are, where they are, you know, whether they're in complete doubt mm. or complete agreement. It doesn't, it doesn't change my belief. It doesn't change my compassion. And I always call it honor to be present. It's What I call it is holy ground, definitely, mm. holy ground. Hmm. Good. Yeah. And so to have the experience or the the privilege of being by the side of so many people who are dying, you get to see kind of the, the real human experience of of dying or crossing over yeah. firsthand, and you can see the effects it has on people. I mean, have you have you know uh, ever had any experience with what's known as terminal lucidity, where people will um 
having coherent kind of memories people with you know what i mean it's, there's a delay so i'm only seeing you nod your head about 10 seconds later so um people especially with alzheimer's and things like that that have damaged <laughs> brains and damaged memories um suddenly minutes or even days before they die will suddenly sit up and see their daughter or their mother or whoever sitting next to them hopefully not their mother it should be the other way around but seeing someone they love sat next to them and they'll recognize them be completely lucid for the first or for the last hour before they die and then yes they're gone which shouldn't happen as far as we're aware um ultimately it's very rare but have you ever had anything like that happen i you see i think think maybe the gift of my brother getting to see our mom uh, was definitely a huge huge uh, expression of what you're talking about and and many patients will speak of uh, just I just got through visiting with my mother or I just saw my husband my husband's coming I have to go now uh, some of them will start becoming anxious about it's time to go or they'll use words they'll say I got a ticket I need to get in and I can't be late or they're they're focused on a corner of the room and they keep looking up and watching watching the corner of the room they're talking about angels they're just there's just uh, so much evidence just like with all the stories with the near-death experiences that uh, that you hear there, there are so many different stories with people that that are seen over. Mm. That it's just, and there's just so much of it out there. That's the, that's the wonderful thing. So this show, like you have, and all that, like Dave Sunmela has done, with all of the stuff that he's put up there, a better death experience, helps people to believe that they can relax and live life and fear death mm. oh I'm gonna hear all that okay I'm gonna play now <laughs> you know <laughs> where where they are able to take a breath and go okay I can quit mean about dying I don't have to worry about that anymore I need to be living mm. and enjoying life not taking it so I seriously I need to be loving yeah Yes, enjoying mm. life and enjoying each other and being that what comes to over and over and over again is be kind to everybody that crosses your path. Just be kind, mm. and especially in your world and my world to animals. And mm. I, I think that, you know, that kind, is, kindness the earth, should be. You know, that Oh, I've completely lost you. Yes, for all for us to to be kind to everybody. Can you hear me? Uh, I can, Did but I, I'm hearing I'm I'm hearing you about twenty seconds later. So when I'm talking, I feel like I'm interrupting you, but I'm not. But I, I, it's <laughs> difficult. Um, I mean, what I was going to say is, you know, as as humans, I think that we we should. Be kind, you say to to plant to plant. Well, yeah, plants was the point I was going to make, but I've made it too early now. But never mind. We should be um, kind to humans, animals, and plants, and everything living. You know, because ultimately, ultimately, we don't know the experience of, of plants as well. They could very well suffer 
in a way that we don't understand. And to me, you know, just it's very unnecessary to harm anything for any reason other than necessary for food or what, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm not a vegan or anything like that. I do eat meat, um, and I like meat. Unfortunately, I have for many years. Um, but there's a difference, I think, between being cruel eating animals to being cruel while the animal's alive and treating them badly. I'm all for eating meat as long as it's very humane, very kind, and only as necessary. Yes. And it makes me sick when you see these people that abuse animals and seemingly get away with it. Yeah. And there's there's no, nobody worse to me than yeah. an animal abuser. I don't see how how anybody could be that way it just seems completely against our nature well i i think the reason that people behave that way either to uh, a loved one uh, a stranger or an animal and or whatever i'm a tree hugger you know i i'm out there loving on trees and uh, rocks and, and i talk to the water i talk to everything because I think everything is full of life. There's so much life in everything. And being grateful for the food that you eat, for the sacrifice that was made, you know, for the animal, or uh, the gift of eggs, the gift of plants that feed us, and the sunshine and the rain. Being grateful for all of that is very healthy. And then also treating everyone with respect, whether they look like you or not, believe like you or not, uh, behave like you or not. To respect that we're all guests here on this planet. We're just passing through here, guests. Mm. And so it is good for us to be good to the earth and the air, everything. Mm. See, I, to me, I, that, that's kind of the default human thing. I think that there are probably... That's... I think sometimes people think I'm stranger than the normal strange person because it doesn't bother me to speak of talking to... All, all kinds of um, creation, anything that's you know, I've got to let my dog out. Any any <laughs> anything. I, I talk to the stars and the planets and the and I I'm, I'm really grateful for the sunrise and the sunset and the a rainbow gets me real excited. You know, all of is mm. it's just wonderful to, to be able to. Enjoy. Yes, there's days when it's going to rain. Yes, there are days whenever uh, you're going to see a tree die. And yes, there are people that abuse land, property, or the atmosphere. But we can't be in despair over that. What we have to do is try to create laws that will help people to understand not to do that, but then also mm -hmm. keep doing good. Don't mm -hmm. let the bad that to be less than what you would go out and do any day where you are mm. and uh, think... just like you said being grateful like by flowers you that, that you tell you know you say thank you for these flowers that were grown by somebody you know somebody that plowed a field somebody that sowed the seeds somebody the rain came and then, then the people that are gathering up the, the fruit or the flowers or the grain or whatever. There's so much involved before it arrives to us that we can be grateful. Gratitude is good for the soul. 
Mm-hmm. So good for the soul. It keeps us in a healthy state if we're really, mm-hmm. really grateful and we express that. Right now, thing... I live, you know, in a small... Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I say one thing that really did surprise me kind of from an experiential point of view that made me really look at it was um, something very simple. I was in a supermarket and a woman was struggling to get something from the top shelf. Being five foot ten, I I could get it. So I I just offered to to grab it for her and gave it to her. And she said, thank you. And that just something as simple as that makes you feel incredible. Fifty times better than if you were to receive something from somebody you know if, if someone was to give you a present or something giving something to somebody feels so much better and it seems very counterintuitive but that's the nature of the human being and unfortunately it seems that people have seemed to evolve in a way that hides it hides that yes yes i think what your show will do will maybe um help people to understand the gifts that are for them and that the gifts that they give are above and beyond all that they receive. And mm. and I'm just grateful to you um, for doing this. You know, you're very young and you're also very enlightened and that what you're able to, to understand at your age, it's wonderful. Um, That's a result of the depression, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, yes, and that is a, a terrible thing to experience. I'm very sorry about that. Well, but it was probably the most beneficial I thing just, I've ever had in my life. Because look where you are now, and look what mm. you're doing. And I think that that is um, going to be a testament to somebody that will say, look what he did with his life. Why can't I do something like that? Maybe I can try to see where I um, can benefit the world with my talent. And to think when we start thinking about others, where can I, where can I help and how can I help? How can I be a part of this world before I go to the next? Mm-hmm. Because both are just as important. Yes. Mm. To be able to give and then to be able to receive. Sometimes it's better for us to receive than it's to give. It is. Have you ever read um, anything, any of Michael Newton's books, uh, The Life Between Life Regressions? I haven't, but my husband says, not buy another book, we're going to have to move. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bless him. I love reading. I love reading. I have so many books. So, um, mm. if you'll send that message to me later on, on the title of the book, uh, I, I will. Sure. Uh, I'll check that out. And then that's I think it's another a, it's, gift. It's a... Look how. Oh, no, this, this delay is this delay is horrible, isn't it? Um, yeah, the, I mean, it's a very good couple of books to read because it's um, the guy Michael Newton was a hypnotherapist, and he had a lot of case studies um with his his therapists or his his clients that he sent to a previous life and then to the death of that previous life and what happened in between before rebirth and again thousands of cases that all corroborate and it gives a very very good example of what or very very detailed visual explanation of what occurs 
and it does indeed show that you know the learning and everything does continue it's not like you you can die and then everything that you that you've done is forgiven and you live eternity that's doesn't seem to be how it works it seems that you continue learning you continue growing for lives and lives and lives and lives even in between those lives so i think that's kind of a good good way to look at it because then everything you do in this life is incredibly important for the next life and the period in between where you kind of are able to rest and relax and prepare for the next time and reflect on everything you've learned and I think they're two very good books. It's um, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls. I'll send you a link to them. Um, but if if you're interested in that sort of thing, it's very, very, they're the two good books to, to look at. Yes. In fact, I think I have Journey of Souls in the library. And I, I, I do sort of remember reading it. I don't remember what year it was. But yes, I definitely believe what you're talking about. And I'm... Um, hopeful that more and more people will be able to read and understand this because some people fear <clears throat> death because they think that's it that that it's all over you know after but no there's much more there's much more mm. there's been much more before this life and much more after this life but i don't mm. get too worried about either one i i'm just focused on right now and trusting all of it it's all good mm-hmm and that's a great place to be, emotionally and mentally and physically. You know, and as, as you say, you know, very bad experiences can be the most important experience of your life. With my depression and anxiety and things like that, because of that, you know, I'm now training as a CBT cognitive behavioural therapist and hoping to do something in that, uh, which I never would have done unless I'd have had this. And because I've had this, I c I've developed a kind of sense of empathy where you can recognize it in other people and you can take it very seriously and understand it for what it is. And that's, I think that's the same with spiritual experiences like the death process. It takes that experience to really begin to get the interest and to really understand it. I think too many people are caught up in current scientific understandings and they miss that there's room for it to develop and it takes those, these experiences to do that. I mean, there's been so many near-death experiences, everybody who's ever had yes. one, it seems, comes out with an extra knowledge and a complete loss of fear of death, which tells us something, I think. I agree, and I, I get excited every time somebody says, oh, have you heard about this experience? And it's a brand-new near-death experience that I haven't read about yet, and get to find out what that person experienced and... and and how has it affected their life now, you know? How, so it's, I really am so grateful and thankful that we have the technology we have today that we can share these experiences with each other and uh, learn from them and get healing from them. Just listening to uh, some of these experiences might change a person's whole outlook hmm. and that's not a small thing that's a huge thing even for just what to affect one person's life you know you've affected a life that's that's huge yes i think we've about covered everything haven't we I was just thinking the very same thing. I said, <laughs> well, 
think we've about covered everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any further we can go. Okay, brilliant. Well, I appreciate you you coming on, Becky. Thanks again for sending me your book. I do appreciate that. It's a very nice gesture of you. When that arrives, I'll get you into are- it as soon as I can. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And thank you. It's an honor to know you, and I'm so proud of you. And keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Stay in touch. Brilliant. And what's the name of your your book? I'll post a link to it. Yes, my book is Transitions, A Nurse's Education About Life and Death. 